Uh, good morning, church. Please open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Quite a bit of change in the air. Looks like we may be changing presidents. And I uh, wanted to read something to you from Romans chapter 13 this morning before we dive into our message. Paul says here, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. I don't want to be in that category. And uh, for some of us who have... um, may not have experienced the one that we hoped would be in the White House being there. And again, I know there's all kinds of lawsuits and stuff like that, but let's just uh, just say if if there's no hanky-panky that's been found out that most likely we have a new president. Uh, We want to be in prayer for him and his family and all those who are going to be a part of helping uh, to lead this country uh, in a change that we hope will be um, much more peacemaking, uh, if anything. I know there's a lot of different ways we can go with that leadership, but uh, we're asking God's help to please continue to be a part of that. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, um, first of all, bowing to the authority of your word and your decisions and how you orchestrate things. We don't know how all that works, but uh, your word says something very, very powerful this morning about authorities that you put in place. And so we want to be... um, Responsive to that request that you ask not only here but also in Timothy uh, to be in prayer for our leaders. And uh, God, thank you that you have leadership in our country. And uh, we're asking that in your sovereign will that you would please prepare a place uh, that we know as the United States of America for us to be able to, above all things, worship and follow you and to share the message of your gospel with as many as we possibly can both here and around the globe. Uh, Please be with possibly President-elect Biden and uh, his wife and all those, Father, who will be a part of this cabinet and uh, the new senators and congressmen who are going to be a part of Congress, the mayors and uh, councilmen that have been selected over the last couple of weeks. Um, Please, holy, holy God, may your name be lifted up and may we have a place some way, somehow in helping uh, to do that as well. In Christ's name and everybody's said. I want to start with uh, two pictures up on the screen. Uh, The first is Dick Buckus, who's on the left. Uh, Many of you uh, over the age of 40 will probably recognize his face and his name. He is a Hall of Fame linebacker. Uh, Quarterbacks and running backs literally feared ever getting hit by this man. Uh, Floyd Little, who's on the right there, knows that all too well. He is uh, a running back who, first of all, um, came on the scene through the University of Syracuse where he uh, was an All-American there, and then he played for the Denver Broncos where he was All-Pro and eventually was elected to the Hall of Fame himself. (laughs) Now, Floyd was not only known for his elusiveness as a back, but uh, for his toughness. Uh, He was not a big man by any means, but he was determined to play like one and never wanted anyone to know that he was hurt. He did say, however, that the hardest he was ever hit was by Dick Buckus. And he was not about uh, to let him know that. 
So one day when, Vic, when uh, Dick Buckus just literally laid him out, Floyd popped up and he got in Buckus' face and he said, is that all you got? Is that your best hit? To which Buckus said, Floyd, are you okay? <laughs> Floyd said, I thought you were a hard hitter. And again, Buckus said, Floyd, are you all right? And Floyd said, why do you keep asking me that? He said, because Floyd, you're in the wrong huddle. <laughs> now, I just want to say right up front, whether it be from a hard hit you've taken lately, or whether it's because life just has not worked out like you had hoped, sometimes we find ourselves in the wrong place. And often, I'm finding it takes a message from the outside to help us hear that and help move us to a better place. Well, when God wants you in a different place, he calls you, is what Scripture says. And often when he sends us a message, he doesn't want us to be surprised that that message is going to involve a call forward. We started a series that I'm entitling, Just Simply Call. And in it, we are looking at Scriptures connected to the times in which God calls people. Now, last week we looked at no less than ten scriptures that I think reveal a God who has three universal calls for everyone hearing me and every human being who will ever live since Christ came. The first is a call to salvation. God wants all of us. He calls all of us to come to him, to be redeemed by him, to be rescued by him, to be adopted by him into his family. Number two, to be transformed or transformation is what he calls us to. That we wouldn't stay where we are, but that through the power of the Spirit and through the leadership of His truth, we would be moved and molded and shaped into looking more like Christ. And then accepting the same mission of Christ. He calls us to that very same mission, that not only would we be saved by Christ and look like Christ, but that we would take on the seeking out those who are lost just like Christ did. So those are three calls that all of us get. This morning we're going to be looking at a call that I think may be one of the best-known calls, if not the key call, of all of the Bible. And it shows us that when God calls, forward movement is expected. So look at me this morning with the Hebrew writer and what he says in chapter 11 about this call forward that comes from Abraham. Here's what he writes. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed that call and he went. And even though he did not know where he was going, he went. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as Isaac did, as so did Jacob, who were also heirs with him of that same promise. Now, for those of you who don't know, Abraham is the father of the Christian faith. Just as God started with Adam and Eve and, and launched the creation of human beings in the world, so he starts with Abraham and Sarah in the launching of people through whom God's going to redeem that broken world that, as we know, was broken in the garden. He calls a special group of people whom he's going to give a special call forward in their lives. And here's why. You see, when God calls you, he intends for there to be movement. He intends for there to be growth. He intends for there to be change. When God speaks into our lives, as we've sung before, and as we're in the midst of, things change. And they do. 
I can't find one time in the Bible that God says, I want you to stay still. Never once in the Bible does God call anybody and say, you just sit there. Don't move. Because you can't follow God and stay where you are. Would you put that up on the screen? Next slide, guys. I think that's the next one. No, nope, I don't think that. We, we're, we're, we're all somewhere. Sorry. You can't follow God and stay where you are. That sounds pretty obvious, but I think a lot of us try. So, here's the call in Abraham of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your people and your father's household to a land that I'm going to show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Now, I'm going to bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will also curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, you know this story. It's a story that's been told and we've taught for years and years and years. But you'll also know that in the rest of the scripture, many of you remember Abraham is consistently presented as a model for the kind of faith that God wants to see in all of us. And this faith is demonstrated by his willingness to say, yes, I'll follow you. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll move forward wherever you want me to go. You can't miss this throughout the scripture, this movement language. Language that says, seek God first. Walking by faith. Running the race. Going into all the world. Following Jesus. And the reason that God calls us to move is the exact same reason he called Abraham to move. And that is twofold. Simple to bless you and to be a blessing to other people. Easy? No. But very, very simple. So, sister, if you've been hit or hurt by some outside force and somehow or another that's convinced you God doesn't care about you, as a matter of fact, he may be against you, I want to say this morning very clearly, wrong. You don't know the God that I know. You don't know the God of the Scripture. Because God has promised by just simply pointing to a cross. There's nothing I wouldn't do to show you how much I love you. There's no length I won't go to prove that I care for you this much and to convince you that I want you to be a part of my family. And so he allows Jesus to die in your place on this earth so that you could have his place, share his place with him in heaven. And so I just want to say on behalf of God, he's calling you. He's calling you to a life to the full. Now, I, I know that that may look different from mine. No, I know this. It will look different from mine. Look at all the differences just by the faces and bodies and, and where we're sitting this morning and, and what's going on in our lives this morning. We're so different. And so how that life to the full looks in you and on you is going to be different. But, but here's the same promise. Jesus came into the world to offer you an abundant, full life. That's what he's calling you to. Now, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know exactly what it's going to be required to experience it. Number one, it's going to take surrendering the need to walk by sight. You will not experience God's abundant life in this world if you don't surrender your need to walk by sight. Some of you read this story about Abraham, and you know that he's supposed to wind up in Canaan, and he does. But he didn't know that. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, as the writer's commenting on, on his great, 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 great grandfather Abram, 
He says, this guy obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. Here's what I've witnessed over the years in my life and watching others try to follow Jesus Christ. Is that we get this call from God. Go ahead and put up the phone, guys. And we, we, we take it and, and we listen to what he's asking us to do. But we hang up. Sometimes pretty quickly. Because we're hung up on not knowing the outcome. Well, God, I'll forgive them if you can assure me that they'll change. You can't assure me they'll change. I ain't forgiving them. Oh, well, God, I, I'll quit living with her if you can assure me that, that I'll end up in a till death do us part relationship. But if you can't assure me that, I'm still living with her. God, you reveal to me, you show me, you assure me of where I'm going to wind up or I'm not obeying you. And if it's Christianity you were looking for or thinking about, that doesn't fly at all. Not with God. How many of you ever seen an African Apollo? There are some here in America, especially here around uh, Kerrville because of the exotic ranches. But how many here, raise your hand if you've seen an Apollo before. Cool looking animals. We think it's pretty cool that a guy can jump and dunk a basketball at 10 feet. That little thing right there can jump over a basketball goal. And you wonder, well, how in the world would you ever keep one of those in a zoo? Easy. You can actually keep an impala behind a three-foot fence as long as he doesn't know or he can't see where he's jumping to. Can't see where he's jumping to? He stays put. In this prison. And I pulled that out of my illustration file this week because I thought, that's so much like us. God, if I can't see where you want me to jump to, staying right here, not moving. So let me ask you, brother, how do you define faith? That's really what we're talking about when we're talking about this man, Abraham. He was the father of faith, the Hebrew writer is going to say. He's the person you'll look to when you, talk, when you want to know, what's God looking for when he says, walk by faith and not by sight? Well, study Abraham. Here's my definition. Or it comes as a paraphrase from Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 2, but here it is. It's believing that what doesn't exist can exist because God exists. Would you read that one with me? Believing that what doesn't exist can exist because God exists. That's faith, friend. That's faith. When God says, I need for you to move from where you are now to where I am asking you to go, I want to encourage you to trust Him. I'm telling you, He's got all kinds of credentials here. But the biggest one of all is, and you've heard me say this before, and it's not original with me, but this man came and put on flesh, predicted his own death and his own resurrection, and pulled it off. Anybody who can do that deserves every ounce of you listening to what he has to say. Deserves you at least attempting to follow where he could lead you. Oh my goodness, what credentials. And it causes me to know by trusting that that's true, that number one, wherever he calls me, wherever he wants me to move from here to there, I know he's going to provide the way. And number two, I know it's going to be good. Now maybe the journey's not all going to be good, but I know it's going to be for my ultimate good. I know that. That's call forwarding. And God's encouraging every single one of us in this room to experience it. We can if we'll surrender our need to walk by sight. Number two, 
It also means surrendering my need to bring, up, bring my idols with me. Can't walk by faith doing that. You've got to travel light to follow God. That's one thing I'm learning. God asked Abraham to let go of his past securities, and the question Abraham had to answer was this, is this new God that's calling me worth surrendering all of my old gods? Is he worth that? And he said, well, Jimmy, that's Old Testament. Well, listen to what Jesus says in the, in the New. Jesus says, in the same way, anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. You hear any wiggle room in there? Man, I don't. Unless you give up everything, anyone, if he wants to follow me, must give up everything to be my disciple. Now, I don't know how you read that, but I hear travel light. And he exampled that for us, didn't he? He and his disciples traveled light. We go, oh, no, but I can do that differently. Really? Really? Only to our detriment. In preparing for this move that the sportsmen are looking at, Gail and I are getting rid of a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it's a lot of stuff that we own but we don't need. But we're also being asked to give up some stuff that we think we need. Hear me? But it owns us. That's not so easy. We're hearing God ask us to travel lighter now in our lives than we ever have before. And it's a little daunting. It's a little scary. Because there's some things that we're being asked to give up. Mm, we're not quite sure we want to give up. But God's asking us to because it'll help us write a better story for him. Walt Disney's first animated movie was the classic Snow White. Many of you know that who love Disney films. It's 70 years old. Can you believe that? And it's still greatness. I'm told Disney had his animators work on one scene in this movie for 240 days. Do the math on that. Eight months. These animators worked on a scene that was four and a half minutes long. It's the scene where the seven dwarfs are making dinner for Snow White. Do you remember that? Eh, you don't because it's not in the movie. Never made it. 240 days spent writing that thing, coloring that thing. Walt said it was funny, it's brilliantly drawn, but it hinders the flow of the story. And so he had to cut it. And I thought, Lord, that's us. The only thing you're asking us to cut are the things that are hindering the flow of the story. And it's so hard when some of those things are brilliant and they're funny and they seem to fit, but they, but they don't. God help us. And he will. But let's just be honest. The reason that so many of us ignore God's call is for one reason. It's competing affections. We don't like to talk about idols in this modern society, but that's a, that's a, that's a phrase we can all understand. Competing affections. Man, if there's ever an example of a competing infection and how it, it gets in the way of us following Christ, it has to be the rich young baby boomer. I'm changing a little bit of the scene there, but the rich young baby boomer comes up to Jesus and says, what must I do? You tell me anything so that I can have eternal life, life that doesn't end. I want to be in the presence of God forever. You tell me what I need to do next to get there. And Jesus says, well, answer God's call. Do what he asks of you. Keep the commandments. And he says, I've done that since I was a boy. 
You said, well, then there's only one more call that you've got to answer, and it's this, that you sell everything that you have and you give it to the poor and you follow me. And that's a serious call for it. And one of the disciples who was watching that day and who later wrote about this said, you know what happened with that call? He hung up. Mark writes in chapter 19 and verse 22. He went away crestfallen. He walked away holding tight to a lot of things that he couldn't bear to let go. Go figure. God Nabod comes and speaks to this man face to face and says, here's what you need to have life that's not going to end. God calls this man, and he doesn't take the call. He doesn't pick up because he couldn't lay down his idols. And so he walks away sad. And I don't want you to be that, friend. I don't want you to have sad life. And the truth is, I've had sad moments in my life because I couldn't let go of my idols. Now, God's not opposed to taking away your idol, but he'd just soon you choose to give them up. And so he writes to a church in our New Testament who was struggling with some serious discouragement. And a significant part of why they were struggling was because that struggle was connected to a great deal of stuff they were hanging on to. Luggage they were dragging around with them as they were trying to follow Jesus. And so this missionary writes, we've got heavenly beings watching us. We've got this cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. There's that movement language again. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And we do this by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus of whom our faith depends from start to finish. Now, it's not just the fixing of our eyes. It's the letting go of the stuff of some serious sin that should have been left at the cross a long time ago and some serious stuff that's just hindering the writing of the story. God still calls. But he calls in a sea of calls, doesn't he? Every day I get calls from convenience and I get calls from acceptance and I get calls from achievement and laziness and pride and fear and doubt and temptation. And brother, I just want to tell you how your life is going to be measured will be measured by what you answered, whose calls you picked up and said, talk to me. you're listening to convenience and acceptance and achievement and laziness and pride and fear and doubt, there's only one word that can describe your walk with Christ, and that's stuck. Stuck. Because God calls us out. He calls us over. He calls us through. He calls us forward. And it is hard to move forward in God when I'm dragging the baggage of sin in my life again that should have been left at the cross. And I'm dragging the baggage of lesser gods that should have never been with me anyway. Walking by faith means I surrender the idols that I'm tempted to bring with me. Number three, it means I surrender my need to feel settled. To feel settled. Now, this one's going to be like fingernails on the chalkboard for American, Western Americans who almost all their lives have been taught, why don't you grow up and settle down? You've heard that one before, haven't you? If they just get married and settle down, 
One of these days we're going to retire and buy us a place in the hill country or the mountains or the beach and we're going to settle down. Our culture says settling down is a part of the American dream, isn't it? Question, is it a part of God's plan? The story of Abraham's call seems to say that settling down is a problem. In Genesis chapter 11, verses 31 and 32, Terah, Abraham's dad, takes his son Abram and his grandson Lot and his daughter-in-law Sarah, Sarai actually, and the wife of his son Abram, who was the wife of his son Abram, and together they all set out from Ur to go to the place of the Chaldeans in Candia, called Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now that was a mouthful, I didn't read it very well. But Terah, Abraham's dad, decides, we're going to leave town. We're going to leave uh, Ur, and we're going to make our way down to Canaan. But he never gets there. He settles in Haran. Now I point that out because I'm going to ask this. What's your Haran? At one time in your life, you were going places. At one time in your life, you were going to make a difference. At one time in life, you were going to help. You were going to stop drinking, and you were going to stop talking with smart aleck language, and you were going to start giving, and you were going to start offering words of grace. There's a lot of things you were going to stop, and a lot of things you were going to start. What's your heron that you settled on? And why'd you stop? Now, it's easy to not make it where you were going because it's okay to be settled because everyone around you settled. Now, I'm not going to pretend a biblical principle from this text is specific, but I do want to draw a life principle from the context of Abraham's life regarding the settling idea. Because God, in the very next chapter, the very next verse, calls Abraham out of Haran and his settled life to go to a place God's going to show him a God-led life. Read the story of Abraham this afternoon. You're not, but I'm going to say, read it and you'll see. He took Sarah, his wife, nephew, his lot, and all their possessions, all the people they acquired when they were in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. But they don't settle. Interesting. No. When Abraham arrives in this promised land, he moves to Shechem, and he builds an altar to the Lord. He moves on to Bethel, and he builds an altar to the Lord and calls upon his name. He moves on to Egypt. Interestingly enough, he doesn't build an altar to the Lord and winds up lying about his wife Sarah being his sister and almost getting them both killed. Then he moves back to Bethel where he had first built an altar unto the Lord, and there Abraham called upon the name. Are you noticing any pattern here? Even when he arrives at the place of promise that God's calling him to, he keeps moving. And he keeps putting up these altars, these places of worship for God. Because Abraham refused to settle in the promised land because God refused to quit calling him to move. The scriptures say he spent the rest of his life living in a tent, moving, putting up a place of worship, living in a tent, moving putting up a place of worship, living in a tent, moving, putting up a place of worship. I don't know that that says anything to you, but it said to me this week, keep moving. No matter where you put your tent, and always set up worship to God there. Always. Always. 
Different place, same God who led him there, and same God he worshipped there. And all with a God who promises to build a nation through him and then waits to make good of that promise for, it's so hard to say, 25 years. 25 years. Abraham, I'm going to make a nation through you and your wife Sarah, even though you have never had a child in your life. I'm going to bring a nation through you that's going to bless not just your family, but all the nations of the world. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. And so he does. He goes, he moves, he follows God. And the child doesn't come, and the child doesn't come, and the child doesn't come, and then he takes Hagar, and they try to take matters in their own hands, and that just backfires in a disaster. But then the day comes when this God makes good on his promise. And a couple that's nearly 100 years old doesn't just attend baby showers. No, they throw one. And it's for Isaac. And through this boy comes a nation. And through that nation comes the one who's going to rule all the nations of the world ultimately one day. The king and king of Lord of lords of all nations. That's the example that we keep getting pointed back to by all of the writers of the New Testament. Remember Abraham and his faith. That's what it looks like to follow God. That's what a call forward looks like. The Hebrew writer's finishing up what we know as our modern-day Bible. And he's listed names like Abraham and Abel and Noah and Enoch and Sarah in a place called Hebrews chapter 11 that many of us have heard called before the Hall of Fame of Faith. And here's how he wraps up talking about those people. He says, these are some folks that were longing for a better country. A heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. I can see God looking down and kind of nudging Michael and say, hey, I want you to see someone down there. His name's Abram and his wife's name's Sarah. You talk about living a forward call. They're doing it. They're mobile. They're ready at a moment to go wherever I need them. And I am so proud to be the God of such called people. Friend, I don't know if God's calling you to leave your circumstances, as Gail and I feel lead to now. But I do know this, he is calling all of us to move, to grow, to mature, to become in our marriages in our parenting, in making room for the Spirit in our lives. He's calling us forward in our giftings as an elder, as a teacher, as a coach, as a grandparent, to become more like Jesus in your little part of the world. I know that. Now, not everybody is going to be given a call to move out of town, but it's not so much about you changing your address, it's about changing your allegiance. If it hasn't been where you said it ought to be. So it's my prayer for every single one of us that we live every day of our lives with a forward calling instead of settled living. And you can do that from any address, almost. Wendy Smith is. Came up to me after services last week and she told me some things and I said, would you mind writing that down because I'd love to share it with our church family. So she did. I said, hey, Brother Jimmy, this is Wendy Smith. Remember, we smoked this morning. 
Not smoked, we spoke this morning. I want to be clear about that. We spoke this morning. She said, I came to Arms of Hope January the 8th, 2020. I came from Montgomery County. Back on Thanksgiving Day 2018, I was at below rock bottom. I was barely surviving in an abandoned shed with no power and no water and no food. I was battling a 19-year meth addiction. I went to the hospital via ambulance because I was so sick and I didn't want to die alone where I was. At the hospital, I was told that I was 16 weeks pregnant. When I saw the ultrasound, I cried out to God, please help me and my baby. You see, I was told once when I was a teen I would never be able to have children, and so I didn't understand why God would give me this blessing at the lowest point of my life. I prayed that if he would make sure this child was born healthy, I would turn my life around. I had no clue what God had planned for me, but he started that day by taking my addiction away. She said it was gone. By February 2019, I went to a nine-month discipleship recovery program called Legacy and Willis. In April, I gave birth to my miracle, and he was a little early, but he was completely healthy. After graduating from Legacy in November, I knew I was supposed to get my life completely straight, but I didn't know where, and the founder of Legacy contacted Lacey Hatfield, and together we found out about Arms of Hope. She said, I remember my first night in Medina. I felt such peace, such assurance that I was where God wanted me to be. I still had no clue what was ahead, and so here we are in November, and I know the place I need to start is to be baptized on November 16th. It's a good place to start. She said, I'll graduate CWJC on the 17th thanks to a Texas workforce program. I'll begin college in January. I will be getting a bachelor in education. You see, I wanted to be a teacher since I was a child. I've always felt it was my calling. I used to sub and work with special ed children until my addiction got out of hand. And your lessons on calling have reminded me that teaching really is my calling. And so I'm doing my best to answer that. And boy, has God slung open the doors. I plan on staying at AOH throughout my time in college. And I just wanted to say, God is so good. Sister, I don't know what God's calling you to. I just know he's calling. He's always calling. The question is, is will we answer? And will we obey? Not just listen. Obey. And I don't know that he's calling you just maybe to, to simply pay more attention to the couple that's going to be next to you at Walmart today. Or calling you to finally get that temple of yours in shape. Or calling you that you might visit and encourage one of our mission points around the globe this year. You know, put it off another day, another week, another month. It might be to start just simply praying with your wife every day. I don't know what God's calling you to, but I know this He's calling. That's what He does. And every time he calls you, it's a forward call. He's going to move you. He's going to change you. He's going to challenge you. He's going to transform you. That's what he does with those calls. There's two versions of living for Christ. The first is this. It's living in the flow and the move of the Holy Spirit of God, allowing him to lead you where he wants you to go. When you really buy in that I am no longer mine, I was bought with a price, therefore I will glorify God with my body. 
my life. That's one version. The other, I'll just use two words. Stuck faith. Not moving faith, not a live faith, but stuck faith. One of them is a blessing. The other is barren. Ask Abraham and Sarah. So, what are you living, follower of Jesus? Stuck faith? Or forward called faith? We're going to celebrate the supper here in a moment. And for those of you who have been baptized into Christ, it's a renewal of our commitment to Christ to say, here I am, as Isaiah said, you send me. And if you've never said yes to Christ, I want to encourage you, draw the line in the sand and dive in today. Find me, find one of our elders, find Clay, find Ray, find one of us, find Andrew. We'll hear your confession of faith and see you launch today as one of God's children. He's been calling you. Maybe today's the day that you listen. But right now I know I'm going to pray for us, so let's bow. Father, we have come this morning to worship. This is our altar. It's mobile. We can take it anywhere we want. But we all have brought our altars to you today. We brought them here to this place to combine them, to lift up our worship and praise to you. And we hope that you've been honored. But God, we, we celebrated the fact that you call us still. It wasn't just something that happened yesterday in the bygone days, but now. And if you're calling some people today to you for the very first time that need to, to confess their sins and to place their trust in you forever, starting today, we pray that you will nudge them through the Spirit to, to answer that call. And if you brought some brothers or sisters here today that you have been calling and calling and calling, and through this series they're hearing and they're thinking that they should answer, and if they need to repent of some things that you've called them to and they've said no to so they could live their way, I pray that you challenge their hearts, that you soften their hearts and bring them to repentance today. And you help them to follow Christ wholly and completely. If you brought them here today to recommit, to, to pick up that phone and say, all right, all right, I'm going. And please fill them with your Holy Spirit as they take those first steps in answering that call, God. But we come to you today saying we're, we're here to try to put our faith in you. We're bringing our little mustard seeds and we're planting them here. And we're saying, God, how do you want to use us? How do you want to use this church? Who, who are you bringing here to help lead this church and, and speak to this church and love on this church? God, you do your best work. We'll do our best to follow. For we ask it all humbly in Jesus' name and everybody said.